everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Revisited. I can say another episode this time. You can, yes. And uh, we just got upstairs from watching The Dark Knight. I've now let the audience know where the studio is. And uh, <laughs> they're coming in through the back door. They're coming in. They're coming in through the back door. We got to move right now. But uh, yes, also, guys, this is going to be a full spoiler discussion. So if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, click away because we're going to be talking about it in full details. And needless to say, what a fucking movie, guys. What a movie. What a movie indeed. And like last time, it was Morgan's first time seeing it. Yes. So I got to go to you first. Let's dive right in. Right, I'm General ready. thoughts on the movie. I loved it. Your all of your hype did not disappoint. It was pretty spot on, and I wish it ended. And I wish there was more. Like the two hours did not feel like two hours. I could have watched it for another three hours. I want more <laughs> Joker. I want more Batman. Oh, it was great. I loved it. And before we kind of go into each other, you know, we love that you're like hardcore getting in a movie watching with us. And of the movies you watch, because this is considered like a certified classic movie. It's old enough to be a classic. Let's think about that for a second. But um, We're all old enough to be classics. Oh, God. Yeah. But we're now seeing this, what about this movie? I'm going to throw you another hard question. <laughs> what about this movie do you think is lacking in movies you watch now? That is a hard question. That's a great question, though. Quality. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go back to some of the other DC movies that I've seen, which isn't that many, mm-hmm. but I'm going to compare it to Shazam. I liked Shazam, but it just didn't have the feel that this movie had. Mm-hmm. This movie, you could feel it was just so much effort, love, care put into the movie. Uh, like the Joker's performance, he won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Um, and like Shazam just had like, it was very fun, Mm -hmm. but it had a lot of, it felt a a lot more loose, which isn't necessarily. referring to the second Shazam. Yes. Yes. The one that just came out. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more, I don't know. It was just like lighter. Yeah. But it not, it it didn't feel as serious as a movie. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, here's this comic book movie. Here's unicorns eating Skittles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just more silly mm-hmm. overall um, versus this one was, like, uh, I think Hannah was talking about this last time, uh, being a comic book movie, but also being a, like, a cinematic, like, film. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you really felt that in this. I want to tack off what you're saying, because um, as you were saying, how is it different? I was thinking about it, too. And what you were saying made me think, um, and you are saying, like, the care and the... Um, you know, like it felt purposeful, stuff like that. The one thing I love about this movie compared to other ones is I feel like the motivation of like the Joker and just like his, um, why he did things felt real. And yes, it's like chaos. So it's not, not, not necessarily he needed to, to do things, but from like a writing perspective, it was like, what would Joker do next? And this, and this would happen. And then it would lead to this and like a whole story. Um, so it felt character focused, um, but I feel like if you want to say like Shazam, if we want to talk about that or other, uh, DC movies, I feel like you put studio heads or people in a room and they're like, so what if then they go to, and they fight a dragon? Like mm-hmm. that would be cool. How do we fit that in? And it feels like disconjointed, yeah. like cool yeah. things that mm-hmm. are like buzz, whatever. And then like l- lull in the middle. But this movie was like an uphill climb the entire time and it built off each other and it felt 
purposeful. And I think that ultimately, yes, the performance and everything like we're saying, but it ultimately goes back, I think, to um, Chris and Jonathan Nolan's writing and having a vision from the beginning, and that's what's lacking. It just feel it felt connected versus disconnected, like uh, current ones. And I think unlike current movies, while I think it helps to watch Batman Begins, I think if you've never seen it, you can watch this movie, for sure. and it's like a perfect standalone story mm-hmm. that can work for you. And it fe- like purposeful. I think I like that word that you used because a lot of movies, especially before Dark Knight and after the Dark Knight trilogy. A lot of DC movies, uh, we had made jokes earlier about like all the different Batman costumes, and a lot of that was was make sure he gets a new costume because we need to sell toys for this movie, mm-hmm. and like we need to make sure that you know if we have more costumes, more toys people can buy, and you know, and this movie just felt like no, he's he's getting a new costume because we want to make the fight scenes a little better, and with the old one, can't really have those great fight scenes that we used to, so with this new suit we can fight better. Well, they also kind of build it into the story in a way, not like subtly to build up the stake. You know, he wants to turn his head, so they need to do like all this loose padding. And then Mm -hmm. uh, you have Alfred making the remark saying like, well, you know, he might be more susceptible to a gunshot or like a stabbing. And that's pretty much just all Joker uses is knives. So it gives more stakes to that where it's like, okay, well, yeah, Batman can be stabbed in this. Yeah. And I, I think also something that really helps like, make the movie make the stakes of the movie feel real and i think stakes are done very well in this movie and part of that is because uh michael kane alfred's speech to batman about how some men just want to watch the world burn and there's not a motivation for this guy he's not going to stop he just wants to see people suffer and that made it feel scary and real of like oh man like there's no way to stop him really like the whole movie and i know a lot of common criticism of the film is the third act of the movie with the two boats and how it kind of, a lot of people think that it kind of yeah that's a very common criticism of the movie i, I mean, love that part me so, too it's great one but two also there's like eight different third acts in this movie that oh, yeah. begin in act one yeah yeah that it's just like was none of that satisfying to yeah. you like the movie just goes like yeah. as soon as joker gets brought into prison it's just like and we're out and then there's the hospital and then to, it, it mm-hmm. just keeps going and going and it going it keeps going and going but it doesn't feel rushed and all the arcs feel completed it's yeah. incredible well, i mean the fact that they kill rachel off like mm-hmm. kind of halfway through the movie you know that's a, something that you say for the end of a movie or something nowadays yeah. yeah and it's also something that a lot of franchises wouldn't do now of like we're going to recast the new love interest and we're going to kill them. Like, and it, and it was for the story. Like, for Harvey and for Bruce's characters, is like, the wrench in this story is the death of this character and where it can go and how it affects them. And then you have beautiful touching moments, too, like Alfred burning the letter mm-hmm. or when he takes it off the tray and he's like, it's, it can wait. And, like, it's such a, a touching thing. And in a movie that constantly moves, moments like that really keep it in line. And um, the scope of this movie, the scale of it, is insane, too. And um, going back to what I was saying about the third act, I love the third act of the movie with the boats because that is not the craziest thing the Joker does in the movie, is putting people on boats and having them threaten to blow up the other boat. We just saw the Joker blow up a hospital. That felt like more higher stakes. Mm -hmm. In most movies, the third act is the biggest stake. Like, every superhero movie even is like oh but make sure at the end that's where like the real like the real big world ending threat comes in and as an audience member you lose this suspension of disbelief because you're like well they're not going to end the world like they're going to win but we've just seen joker blow up a hospital he's killed rachel he's done all kinds of chaos in this movie you know what you can believe he'll blow up those boats 
and you don't doubt it for a second. Yeah. And that's why the ending to me is so, it works so well. Well, it ties in also, you know, the work that Batman has been putting in to give Gotham hope mm-hmm. and to show that in the people doing it. Um, but also just, you know, the whole, are humans innately good, innately bad, and just proving that innately good, oh, just yes. going against everything the Joker believes mm-hmm. in and thinks just discombobulates yeah. him so much. And it's the only time in the movie where the Joker looks defeated, yeah. and he wasn't at one step ahead. Mm-hmm. It's like he was banking on that happening. Yeah. And it's such a great moment. And speaking of like one step ahead, like from the opening bank heist to where the plan is have each person, when they finish their job, kill that person so there's less so we don't have to share the money as much and then he's secretly in the heist so he's just gonna wait until everyone until it's just him so he can take the money which gives him the leverage to go to that mom meeting like everything is connected like throughout the story and he's always a step ahead just the no i kill the bus, bus driver. driver yeah, <laughs> that <line>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like even down to um him switching the addresses on batman mm-hmm. when he has to go save harvey dent or rachel like like on a psychological level, like he was so in their heads and like how he was going to beat them. And like seeing this in theaters, by the way, was such a wonderful experience. And you could hear like people cheered and stuff, but you could hear a pin drop mm-hmm. when he called that cell phone in the prison and it blew up in the guy's stomach and then he escapes. Like that was just yeah. like, oh my God, amazing. I, I want to know your reaction to not really being all too familiar with like the Batman lore as a whole, just were you expecting this? All right. They introduced this new DA, right? All this wonderful stuff's happening. He's doing so good in Gotham. He's Gotham's white knight. Were you expecting at any point, right? You get the Joker. So, you know, there's already the zaniness, but were you ever banking on half this guy's face being burned off and him just killing a bunch of people? No, (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, no, that that came out of nowhere. It's like watching it and knowing Batman. You're like, okay, Harvey Dent. He infamously becomes Two Face. So then the whole movie, you're like, are they gonna do When's it? Gonna do it? Are yeah. they gonna do it? Yeah. When are they gonna do it? How are they gonna do it? You know, but not watching it, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just his face burns off, and you're like, oh, I bet he's gonna be badly scarred. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And and to great. to the genius of like messing with Two Face's origin, because mm-hmm. in the build up to this movie, like they really didn't confirm if he was going to be Two Face. I remember one of the first big internet theories. God, I'm, my brain just went back. I'm 12 right now. But in one of the trailers, there you know they do like quick images. Yeah. One was him holding the gun in Maroni's car, and people like freeze that, and they were like, "He's got the gun." And if you look at his chin really close, it looks like the other half is met. Like the internet was going like, "He's going to be Two Face in the movie." But uh, the genius of like messing with his origin, the first scene when he's in the courtroom is very similar to his comic book origin, like the perfect setup to where mm-hmm. the guy in the stand, instead of trying to shoot him, is when he hits him with the acid. So if you're a diehard comic fan watching, you're like, oh shit, they're going to do it right now. Like, like we're not even right getting now. any Harvey yeah. Dent. And uh, yeah. I just, what great casting too. Like the profile, the side profile on that man and the face and yeah. the chin. Like that's yeah. why they don't do him yet again. Yeah. You can't cast someone like that. No. And like uh, something I want to get your guys' opinions on. Um, you know, upon rewatch for you and first time for you, uh, what were kind of th- things throughout the movie, whether it be the amazing Heath Ledger performance or smaller quiet character moments? Like n- now having seen the movie, like what is currently on your mind? Like what, did the movie leave with you? 
You want me to go? She's been getting hard questions. You, you can, you can oh, go. So you want me to have the hard question? Yes. I piggybacked off your hard question. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> You're welcome. We're a team here. Um, I think I told you afterward, right after we watched it, um, I, in a similar, I think I said this, a similar thing after watching Batman Begins, where I was like, oh, now I'm watching this with more filmmaking eye. Not that I'm a filmmaker, but living with you. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. That's I'm not just like, oh, the story. Um, all that to say, this, the one thing I was proud of myself for noticing that I told you just a little bit yeah. ago was the editing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beautiful. Um, and I know, and I would love to get your opinions too, because uh, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. Um, the editing in, in general and just the, the tightness of it and the choice of um, cutting to who and just like adding to like the stakes and the climax. I don't know. I felt like it was just perfectly, I don't know, go to a face reaction, go to the back to the Joker, go to the knife, go to the, whatever it is. Uh, it felt so purposeful. We're saying it again, but it crafted where it, there was nothing was too long to make it boring. It was all, I don't know. It just all went together. But the, the thing I want, also to hear about you guys that I'm sure you wanted to talk about is the, the three-way cuts and the, the, the stuff that we talked about, um, where that blew me away. I, I, I remember the scenes happening where it's the, uh, judge, the commissioner and Harvey. Like I remember that happening in the story because of course that's what happens, but I did not remember how clean and crisp and cool the cuts are <laughs> and that you're like, Oh my God, no. And then back to this person. Oh my God. And then like, it just, it and jokers at the party, jokers at the but like yeah. it, like we've said it, go, 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 go. But there were so many scenes I felt like where it was just between three different people and uh none of them were boring it all felt crafted and I just I I, I loved it and I want to talk about it but what what were your thoughts on it or do you have any other follow-ups on so that? much happens in this movie and like the juggling of those storylines and still feeling completely invested in them even though you're not necessarily allowed to like breathe in them for a minute like it's so fast-paced but you feel so into it and you get the resolve at the end of watching it it just he does it like three times throughout the movie too so he's really juggling like six different storylines this whole time it's insane yeah and or when uh gordon's so good in this one yes i love gordon he levels up halfway through the movie i love it yeah he goes from lieutenant to commissioner yeah uh but uh when they have to try to kill coleman reese because he's going to reveal the identity of batman and it's cutting from in the car with the cop trying to kill him. And then you have the truck trying to kill him. And Bruce is yeah. in the Lamborghini. And he's like, oh, shit. I got, I see what's about to happen. Like, just like stuff just, like that. The just tension. the payoff of yeah. Bruce Wayne. Him seeing that Bruce Wayne saved him. Yeah. Like the whole. And he gives him like a little nod. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the whole fan theory? This oh, was later on about oh that God, character. I know exactly what you're going to say. The internet, the internet went down so many internet. rabbit holes with these movies. So right. they. Can, can we say the villain on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Riddler. Riddler. Yes. So because his name is was it Cameron Coleman, Coleman Reese, and if you this is the rabbit hole. No, no, of the, this really happened on the internet. Like, I did not believe this for thing. a second. Yes, but then yes. everyone was like, "Oh, if you if, if you referred to him formally, his name would be Mister Reese." What's a mystery? A riddle. riddle. Yeah. He's the Riddler, and everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> what? But like it went like it became such a huge thing yeah. of like he's the Riddler and w- this is his origin because now he didn't get to and blah blah blah. They're like, setting just, him just to him everyone. to be the big one in the third movie because yeah. now he knows Batman's identity. It yeah, was it was a huge thing. Oh, so I remember funny. that dude. Holy shit, that's good. Yeah, and 
again, just the length and how much happens in this movie. I've watched this movie several times, and each time I just always forget one that Scarecrow's the opening. Yeah. I wish more comic book movies started with him them fighting a villain again, or even just mm-hmm. a, a B C list villain. And two, I just totally forgot that he just fucks off to Hong Kong mm-hmm. to just interrogate that guy. The movie paused to go to another country for one scene. First time any Batman movie where he's out of Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But imagine, imagine being the guy and you're very afraid of Batman, so you leave Gotham yeah. and you're just chilling in your office and Batman in a different country entirely and Batman just barrels through your window. window. That scene yeah. was it's, so good, it's though. so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably terrifying. <laughs> What a nightmare scenario for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it is a great scene. And before the internet comes after me, it's the first time he operates as Batman in the costume outside of Gotham. Yes, he left Gotham and Batman Begins, yes. Uh, but it's a great scene, and it also sets up that tool that he uses, the timer mm-hmm. with the bombs and how all that works. And I, what I loved, because this is based on the long Halloween, like loosely, the comic story. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the sense of like, it's Batman, Harvey Dent, and Gordon, and they're like a team trying to take down the mob and take like the scene where they're on the rooftop and they're all just arguing with each other about how how are we gonna get him back? And Batman's like, I'll go get him. And and I just I I it seems great because it's so long and Gordon and Harvey are the only two talking and Batman is just, just standing there, just there like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, I, but I also love how the Joker in this film, like we've talked about how intelligent he is, but like he, he was one step ahead always. And like when he's in the meeting, the mob boss meeting where he does the pencil trick, which is amazing. And he's like, Batman doesn't have a jurisdiction. He's going to find him. And like, it's going to be over for you. And like, he was just kind of explaining everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also, a little character bit that I loved is he gets really offended when people call him crazy, like really mad. Which I, I, it's like a rare thing that you see with him because he's normally he doesn't let emotions get to him. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple times in the movie where someone calls him crazy and he gets really upset. Like he, and you know he's upset because he's very theatrical and then he just gets really serious. Like in the in the mom meeting, the guy says you're crazy and he just goes, "No, I'm not." Mm-hmm. And it's like that that is spooky. I love it. Something else that uh, I wanted to talk about when you were like something that you noticed in rewatch mm-hmm. is just the the amount of. The movie is not a, I mean, it is a Batman movie, but I really feel like it's a Batman and Joker movie, and mm-hmm. the screen time is split yeah. in character development. Mm-hmm. I think you said that you're like, oh, there's not as much Bruce Wayne in this film, um, and it's it's true. It, it's it's sharing time, and, and the fact that there's so many scenes without Batman, just Joker, like the mob scenes, and hit, you know, there's a handful of things where you see just see him, and I feel like in narratives, of course... Mm-hmm. Uh, main characters are in all the scenes and uh, if there's ever a, you know the fact that Batman's ma- not there means that Joker's a ma- more of a main character and you get his perspective without Batman um, I don't know th- just the insight into him and it felt like duality really uh, versus like a one-sided Batman story and usually you don't get that the the, the villain is I don't know one-sided and you only see the the plan unfold versus how he got to the plan or other people he's talking to or you know whatever it is um 
and then you they they're not ever in the same room together until like the end. But it's yeah. this like mm-hmm. Joker's doing this with Batman, but Batman's doing this and trying to find out about Joker. And yes, they fight at the Harvey Dent thing, but they're not really like fighting until that like interrogation. Like when yeah. they're yeah. he's in there and he's you know trying to get the with with Commissioner Gordon, yeah. and so you know it converges. But I don't know. It's just interesting because normal like superhero things is I'm Shazam and I'm fighting so and so and. I only see them when we fight and then we go away and we do something else and then I come back and fight them again. But it was just so, I don't know, it was so cool um, that it was, that he was more of a main character than yeah. other stories. I mean, even in the previous film, like Ra's al Ghul's plan is just talked about through Scarecrow and the other villains and you don't, even, and you don't even realize it's his plan until the end. Yes. Like you have in the beginning, he fucks off and then he's back because you were focusing on Batman that movie. And having that backstory allows them the time to like, all right, let's do Joker. Let's build him up. Let's like figure out what he's going to be and how he's going to affect the story. And you're right. They nailed it with well, building him up. A couple things too, and to speak to that, like how they were fighting and everything. Yeah. The, the first time you think like, oh, they're about to like throw down is after the car chase scene. And that's when you get the Gordon reveal and you get the whole like, can I just have one <laughs> minute with him? Yeah. Please. Um, But you know, and when you look at it and, and not to say that other characters aren't, complex i feel like it's a almost a pretentious kind of thing to say but it's like you know the i feel like the joker in terms of comic book villains is very multi-dimensional in that aspect versus something like you know the riddler is gonna give you riddles and i think i like listen the matt reeves always did a good job with it but like the Joker's so like you almost need to give him that much screen time to just fully understand, and you don't even know where he's going half the time, which is almost what's so engaging about it. Because you're like, oh, the villain's doing something. We see him doing this. Batman's gonna show up, or, or whoever's gonna show up, the hero. But like this time, you're just following it. You're like, what the hell is he gonna do next? Because like if you think about the set pieces individually, it's like we have the bank, the car chase the hospital, the fucking boat, like it's just everything just keeps scaling up. Um, and one thing I do love is that he, Nolan does take some influences. He really likes to take from all the old Batman movies yeah. in very subtle ways and just reframe them in a different context. Like the end of Batman 89, Michael Keaton is fighting Joker in a building and he pushes him off the building. Mm-hmm. And now they just modernized that whole concept. Yeah. Uh, he takes something I, that I won't spoil, Don't spoil it, yeah. <laughs> in The Dark Knight Rises uh, that is just from the high, Adam, from the Adam high West. tech version of the Adam West Batman movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's so funny. Yeah. Um, Out of context, it's so funny. What, um, but with the Joker, what did you think of him? Do you have a favorite bit that he did or thoughts on the performance overall? Uh, everything he did was just so good. Um, and going back to like what Hannah was saying, I really did feel like a Batman Joker movie, uh, or even like just a Joker movie. Like I was really invested in the character, uh, that, but I feel like it shows how great the film was because there was so much going on, so many different story plots, but I was invested in every single one of them. And I felt like every character when they did have something to say. It felt really important because they weren't on the screen as much. Um, so I think they did a really good job of just like showcasing all of that. And then none of it got lost mm-hmm. on me too, which I feel like really. Yeah. Really good attention shows. to detail. Yes. For everything. Mm-hmm. And 
I like the, I like what you said that like everything was important and it's because like they could not be important like that had to go like the movie had to go mm-hmm. and I when you re the more you rewatch this movie I highly recommend rewatching it all the time yeah no I feel like I need to rewatch it like right now I would yeah, rewatch yeah. it but I'm like there's so many little details like you guys are talking oh. about and then yeah I'm just, I need to rewatch it pretty. like I mean he has paint makeup on his, his hands, hands. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the ma- uh-huh. it's just his makeup was so good yeah it was so realistic too. Uh, like when he was in the interrogation room and it was yeah. all well, smeared I think, correct me stuff. if I'm wrong, but they let him, like, he wanted to apply it, mm-hmm. right? I think that, yeah, so, I think the actor, like, yeah, did it they, himself. For particular scenes, they would yeah. let him do it, yeah. And, like, it's, it's also just, like, it's so scary that you don't know where he comes from or what he is. He's just a force of nature. Like, he keeps lying about people, his backstory to people, which was super cool. Like, I remember watching it in the theaters for the first time, and he does the dad backstory, and I'm like, oh, that's tragic. And then he does the one with Rachel, and I'm like, oh, no no way. Like, he's going like, to lie to everybody. Lie. Yeah. And I love the setup because you don't realize it's set up, and that's my favorite type of setup. When Batman has the arms, and they shoot across the room, and Lucius Fox is like, perhaps you should read the instructions first it's set up for later when he does it to Joker. And it's like, it's so good. Like little stuff like that. And, um, well, like even like with the interrogation, you know, Batman crashes him up against the window and it breaks. Mm-hmm. And then that's what he's using. He's to like, that's what he needed to get the glass to need yeah. the glass to get mm-hmm. the guard out. Yeah. Well, see, I don't think it was, the, I don't think he had planned Batman being there. I mean, maybe that, I guess that's open for interpretation, but he needed his phone call. Mm hmm. And I think he just, that was coincidence then interrogate, antagonizing the guard to come in and fight him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just interesting to see that. Yeah. And like, just how, going back to what you said about the editing, just like how well put together the movie is and how there, there's not an ounce of fat on this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you cannot cut anything at all. And it's just so well put together, like from, from every aspect in every way. And it's it's exciting it's sad it's riveting like it's a it's a four quadrant blockbuster movie while also being a very insane crime story and a a a deeper detail that i really like putting it in context of when it came out was it came out right around the post 9-11 surveillance edward snowden nsa stuff was going on so when morgan freeman lucius fox walks into that room and he's like this is my resignation. If this device is going to spy on all these people, I will not work here anymore. And just the moral complexity of Batman being like, I know, but I have to find him. Like, there's no other way I have to find him. And and even destroying the machine at the end of the movie of like, you know, we can't keep it, but like, we have to find this guy. And like the, the complexity of that happening in real life of like, if there's a terrorist at large, like what's good to do? Like, can you spy on people? Yeah. Like it's like, like that underlying aspect of it. It was just like really heavy when you kind of put that into context, mm-hmm. and it's it's so good. We keep just saying that, but like it's 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 so true though, you know. But tell me something bad about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the, like there's some like funny stuff in there, like just because I've seen this movie probably a hundred times, so like there's some funny stuff, like uh, the the extras. Nolan is notorious for having like extras who aren't great. So you have people who are like, no more dead cops. And like, uh, things are worse than ever here. Like, just like, you know, and like the music and stuff, like you don't buy, you don't leave the moment fully, but you're just kind of (laughs) like, you know, like, uh. It just feels like a, that's not what's important. Exactly. So it's just like, what should I say? I don't know this. And then you just go on to the next. Oh my God, that reminds me. There's actually a great behind the scenes story 
about um, Michael Gambon, who played uh, Gamble, the person who the Joker cuts up in the movie. Uh, he gave a great behind-the-scenes interview talking about Chris, working with Christopher in the, Nolan. In the mob room? Yeah. That guy, yeah. Yeah. He talks about working with Christopher Nolan, and he's like, you know, as an actor, you have questions about your character, and you want to know all these things, and you think Christopher Nolan, like, one of the best directors working, like, he's going to have all the answers for you. No. He's like, I went up to him, and I was like, hey, everybody in here has an Italian accent or some sort of accent. Like, should I have one? And Christopher Nolan was like, huh, do you want one? And he's like, well, no, I actually think I should speak with my own accent to kind of show that we've been rounded up from all over the place and maybe I'm not from here. And he goes, ooh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, just talk how you want. And it's just like, you wouldn't think that. Like, for how, like, attention yeah. to detail he is, like, you wouldn't think that that's, like, a thing. But Nolan, he's, Nolan really, he's like, it's not important. You know, like, it's it's fine. Go yeah. ahead. And it allows actors that freedom, but it also is just kind of, like, the, the attention to detail, focusing on what's important and doing that as well. And, like, I don't. I also don't think a second unit was used on this movie, and I could be wrong about that. But I will say all of the inserts looked gorgeous. So <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't a second unit. Yeah. But um, I think one of the disappointing things about the third one, which I don't think is a bad film, it's just not as good as these two, I think is the attention to detail is not there, and there are some messy plot stuff. Which from Nolan, from the master, is like, come on, dude. Like we've seen what you can do. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bit unfairly judged in that way, but I do feel it. Do you think that he just kind of wanted to go on to the next thing? And it well, was sort of a contractual well, obligation? Well, I know he wasn't going to direct it. Uh, like He was just going to produce it. And then as they were developing it, he was like, All right, I'll do it. I think they might have, I don't know this, don't quote me, but they might have like, if you do this, like interstellar, whatever budget you want. Yeah. Like, it might have been something like that. But yeah. Yeah, I, love, I mean, like, may, it, I, I could imagine a, a movie like Dark Knight just taking it, yeah, out of you for a minute. Oh, so yeah. I feel like it makes yeah, and like, but and yeah. th- th- he did Inception two years after this. Yeah, he took a break between each Batman. Yeah, and made a new movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a brilliant plan because it, cleanser, it yeah. creatively refreshes you. Yeah. yeah, more people should do that. Um. There's some good in Dark Knight Rises, though. Oh no! But, like it's I, just, I think it's a good movie. It's just it's such a, on a whole, just such an uneven trilogy, just because of the level of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Like the next one, I still think the next one's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. No, it's, yeah, it's especially emotionally how it wraps everything up. Oh my god, it's lovely. But the the suspension of disbelief, I think, is a bit more in that movie. And I think it's because of how grounded these other two movies are. It's been a minute, but I feel like that's the one where I feel like Warner Brothers kind of probably well got, got a little more in on their over their head on it. He did win some battles though, yeah. Because I know originally, because he just did Inception right after Dark Knight, and Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, we've like we're gonna offer to Leonardo DiCaprio to be the Riddler," and Chris Nolan was like, "I don't want the Riddler in the movie. It's not who I want." And it was just like a whole thing, you know. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> He's like he doesn't one of the few people who doesn't like Leonardo DiCaprio. Everyone, this and I right love here. and I love the Riddler. That would have been my own personal hell. <laughs> Leo would have absolutely said no. By the way, there's no oh, way he would yeah. have done it. One hundred. Well, and, and around all those time that the um, like those rumors were happening, that's when they finally said like, oh hey, like Tom Hardy's going to be the villain in the movie. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's the guy that plays Venom. Venom. He's the villain in the next one. And everyone was like, oh, look at this scrawny British guy. Like, 
that's the Riddler if I've ever seen. And everyone was just like, yo, Tom Hardy's going to be the Riddler? Yeah. What's happening? How does that, like, what is this yeah. beefy Zack Snyder Riddler? <laughs> What's happening? And, then, and, then, and then, then he was Bane. And then when they were Bane, they were like, he's not big enough to be Bane. And then they released that first image. And, and were, everyone was like, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Bane? No. Oh, we'll, sh- we'll show you an image. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but while while you're doing yeah, that, yeah. Um, Hannah. Yes. With this film and like the, the different times you've watched it, like we watch it during COVID, we watch it now. Yeah. Where does it rank in your Nolan filmography for you? It's still at the top. It's it, like, like it, you, I, it, it's, <sighs> it's it's coin flip between. Oh, you see him? Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Bane. Share with the class. <laughs> Share with the class. <laughs> Hannah wants oh. to see. Billy yeah. Murphy on there? No kidding. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you guys are making me now want to do a Nolan. <gasps> Please. I'll, I'd love to do It's a movie fun. marathon. Yeah. yeah. We, we did it during COVID and like yeah. from the beginning and just to see like his progression from Memento mm-hmm. on. And just, cool. and just the stuff in his filmmaking, like Hannah was mentioning, like the cut, the three storyline cu- editing. He does it in practically every movie. Mm. Like there's a, f- there's few movies he doesn't do that. And like Inception, I think is I think is, I think, is, I, think is, I, think is, I think is the best use of it. Like the three dream layers, like the the suspense that's built in that. Because like if if one of them fails, the whole mission fails, and it's going you know, back I've and forth. Only seen Inception twice. You bitch. Te- wow. <laughs> well, so technically, actually, only once. I went to watch it on um, a cruise, and then I got really dizzy trying to follow the plot. And then I was on a cruise, so I got sick, so I left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other time was just with Dalton, and I think I just got angry trying to understand it. That's why I've only seen Tenet once as well. By the way, they're playing Tenet in, uh, at the Regal Point tomorrow if you want to go. They just... Is that Nolan? Mm-hmm. Have you not seen... Oh, yeah, duh. We... Yeah, never mind. You said you haven't seen any other Nolan <laughs> No, I actually have. I've seen Memento, uh, Inception, yes. now the first Batman he did. Now the second one. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's like five or six. Yeah, you've seen a lot know. of them. Oh, yeah, never mind. Have you seen The Prestige? No. Nicholas, uh, that's your mission, dude. That's my favorite. It's Oh, you were saying that. The Prestige is It's magicians awesome. fighting. And and it was it's awesome and when it came out it wasn't like it wasn't critically panned or anything, but when it came out it was just like all step down for Nolan. Like that was like the the vibe and it's then so it's, fun. it's now become like that's one of his best films. It's so good. Okay, we just keep this segment going, but just Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. <laughs> Revisited is just Nolan. Yes, yes. Uh, so, Prestige is Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, Batman in this movie. The Wolverine mm-hmm. and Batman. Oh my God, but I need to see that. But they're rival magicians. Oh, and Black Widow. Yeah, and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. How have I never even heard? I've never even heard of Do this. Do you know David Bowie? He's in it too. He's, he, and he he plays Nikolai Tesla. Oh, no. You know David. Yeah. I'll show you a photo. Yeah. You know David yeah. Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie's in it. Oh, Andy Serkis is in it. I'm bad with names. He, oh my God, Andy Serkis is. Yeah. Prestige is my favorite Nolan movie, guys. <laughs> Forget the Dark Knight. Okay, that's uh, the next one. Yeah. But we all agree that Dunkirk sucks. No, yes. no, we don't. No, yes, no, no. Do. Listen, listen, yes, stop. We do. Stop this bullshit right now. Correct. The only good no. part is Killian Murphy. I'm no. Sorry. And Harry Styles. No, and first of all, that's where I got introduced to Barry Keoghan, or Keon, however you say his fucking name. Milkface. He's great. Wow. But he's great in that movie. Here's the thing. Dun- <laughs> yeah, have the laugh. Have the laugh. That took me a second. I'm sorry. 
Dunkirk I can't, is I still, amazing. I still can't process who Barry Keoghan is in the Batman universe currently. Oh, I, I my, can. My brain can't reconcile. I, that. I was a fan day one of that. You're, you're not. You're not gonna get my Dunkirk praise out of this. Dunkirk is great. It's a great movie. The main guy in Saltburn. Yes. That's the new Joker. He's. I can yeah. see it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let me do my Dunkirk thing. Dunkirk is great. It. It's Morgan. It's only ninety minutes. It's Christopher Nolan. Yes. Okay. And it's about the uh, the Dunkirk invasion in World War Two. And how they got out. It's only about the event. Like it starts and ends with the event. And it's told from three perspectives. One from the planes. One from the island. Yep. One from the planes. One from the island. And one from the sailboats. That sounds great. Then the plane only takes place over the course of a couple hours. The land takes place, I think, uh, a couple... A day? Two days? And then the boats is like a couple weeks. Because they're trying to get there. And as each storyline happens, they all converge with each other for like the brief period of time that they all happen at the same time. So you'll see something happen in the air during the land when it's showing them on land. And then later in the movie, it will happen from the air because you're get, catching up to that moment. It's awesome. I love it. Tom Hardy in a plane. Yes. It's too loud. It's not too loud. The sound is loud. great. I think they, I think it might have it won the Oscar for sound. I'm not going to look it up right now because I'm tired. No, but it's Nolan great. can't mix. I'll give you that. I'll g- Tenet is one of the worst sound mix movies I've ever heard. I love that film. It's so bad. It's horrible. It's so bad. Tenet is a movie where if we watch it, I will put subtitles on. I love subtitles. I love subtitles. <laughs> I do too, but like you legitimately, I like it just because I like to read it. I feel like I resonate with the jokes more on sitcoms, but like. You, I'm in the minority. No, I know. A lot of people like subtitles. Tenet. And I, I'll tell you what, reading it doesn't help. <laughs> I like Tenet a lot. No, I I, I I enjoyed Tenet very much. It's just so confusing. Okay, this is but the even Knight even episode. we need to get that, back on track. That's fair. sorry. <laughs> sorry, everyone. We like movies. I don't know if you could tell. We spiraled pretty quickly. It's yes. very late. You can yes. cut this. Put it. Put it. Episodes. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you cut it and put it in different parts of the episode? Because don't even get me started on Interstellar. <laughs> we'll talk about that next time. Let's talk about Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutting shit. It's staying right where it is. We also were like, it's late. We won't record a long one. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the Dark Knight. You're going to fucking talk about the Dark Knight. Yeah, we gave Batman Begins like 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Well, that one had a lot of back and forth on like yeah. different things, yeah. though. Dark Knight, I feel like, was universally agreed here to be yeah. good, and there wasn't really much to complain about. So I'll touch on a couple things. Except on its length, as Morgan yeah. said, too short. Yeah. Uh, Give us more. I think the sound design in this movie is also better than Batman Begins. Mm. I love, love that the punches feel like death blows. Like mm-hmm. every single punch is like ridiculously hard. Like if the in the sound design. But I also want to talk about the impact of the movie and the post release and everything. It came out the same year as Iron Man, and it was a huge like, a turning point for both Marvel and DC. And not only that, this was the first superhero movie to make a billion dollars. It got nominated for a ton of Academy Awards, and with Heath, Heath Ledger winning, it was the first comic book movie to win like a major Oscar, like one of the big ones. What was this budget for 2008? 185. Wild. Yeah. And uh, not only that, um, it also led to the Academy. People consider, like, it's debated. People consider this movie not being nominated for Best Picture was the reason why the Academy made it so 10 movies can be nominated. Mm. Do you agree with that? 
that 10 movies should be nominated. No, do you agree that that was why they changed it because of the movie? I think it's a reason. I think it's a reason. Yeah. I don't know if it's the reason. I think it's a reason. And part of it was too, because Nolan also didn't get best director. Nolan was not nominated for best director until Dunkirk. Wow. Yes. So deserves this win <laughs> for Oppenheimer. For yeah. Oppenheimer. <laughs> it was a pity uh, nomination for Dunkirk. They were no, like, "Oh, he tried." Morgan, you're gonna love Dunkirk. I, I'm key on this. I, I, I feel like it's funnier I... to just go far on the opposite end on it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, you know who needs to be here for the Dunkirk one? Fucking Kyler. He hates that. If we're just he gonna put. We're just movie. gonna lock you two in a room for that one. I don't want to be uh, a part of that episode. No, don't don't leave us in there too long. We'll kiss. But uh, ba- basically. Morgan's <laughs> like yes, kiss, kiss. <laughs> Nothing's getting cut, guys. Yeah, um, but the impact this movie had, like a lot of different stuff. Nolan's career was never this. Like the one-two punch of Dark Knight, Inception. Oh my God, your career is safe forever mm-hmm. after that. Like easy, and the fact that he still makes great movies, like it's unbelievable. Now he can do whatever he wants. He can do three-hour dramas. He can do, you know, he's like, I'm Christopher Nolan. Fucking give me money. What do you think he does next? He won't. I want him to do a straight-up horror movie so bad. I want musical. Oh, a Christopher Nolan musical. Oh, it'd be you, awful. You won't be able to hear them. It would be so <laughs> bad. Nolan and Lin-Manuel Miranda. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> the duo we never knew we needed. No. I, okay, either a straight-up horror or straight-up, like, Judd Apatow comedy. Because Christopher Nolan, if you know anything about him, he loves comedy, but he, he won't make one. He likes the Fast and Furious franchise. Yep. I say we just give him a spinoff. Hell yeah. He loves Ricky Bobby. He loves MacGruber. Did You know, he wrote a letter to the director of MacGruber being like, this movie's great. Like, don't let anyone tell you different. Like, that's so funny to me. Listen, when you are writing movies like this and just the complexity of the themes and everything, I get wanting to just watch a stupid comedy yeah but like paul thomas anderson yeah. too the same way like he loves yeah loves movies like that i think i would like to see a pirate movie mm, nolan pirates i think nolan. i think i think he'd do well yeah maybe not for the sword fighting but as long as there's a sci-fi twist i'm in pirate aliens no put, put the pirates in space yes and you know what it is he does the live action treasure planet he would never. He would never do it, never. but it would be great. Pretty Just good. saying. He needs to do James Bond. So bad. He's so British. <laughs> and like James Bond shootouts and chases is what he is key mm-hmm. in, especially in Dark Knight. And like James Bond, come on. I'd like you to use a second unit for the hand-to-hand, but chases and everything. And then we get Killian Murphy Bond villain. And then you get you get you can get Tom Hardy Bond. You can get there's so many Killian Murphy Bond. Now nah, he's too old. Killian Murphy Bond woman. Yes. Yes. I'm just gonna name or Killian Murphy Q. Trigger trigger words like what? You know who <laughs> you, you know you know who'd be Kristen Stewart Bond. <laughs> yes. No, you know who'd be a great Bond is Tom Hiddleston. Just saying. But um, yeah. But final thoughts on I disagree. He, he would final I thoughts. Michael Sarah is the is the choice. We nailed it. We nailed it. Yes. Oh my god. Um. Sorry, guys. Off the rails. Uh, we'll go around the table. Final thoughts on Dark Knight. Go. I I think it's the clear standout of the as the best of the Nolan trilogies. I think it is probably no, definitely the best Batman movie. 
I say that loving Batman forever, but <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, on the reels, um, I think that Heath Ledger gives such a great, unique performance as the Joker um, that all future iterations of it, I think, are just using it as a base. But to me, I don't think anyone as good as a performance as like Joaquin Phoenix gave. Jared Leto did something. But, you know, I don't think anyone's been able to capture that same energy and the performance and the quality of what he does there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I still don't like Bale as Batman. Fair. That's always been my kind of gripe with these movies, just as, as a whole there. And that's not even like, I mean, I didn't like him when I saw him, and that was before I even, yeah. like, you know, I'm a bat, bat fleck guy, but... Yeah. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's, honestly, it's just the lip pursing and the voice. Like I just can't. It takes me out every time. Um, but no, it's it's great and just great supporting cast too. You know, Batman and the boys. They're all all great. Morgan, I loved it. I cannot believe I've never seen it before. <laughs> I I feel like I can now say I am a Batman fan. Good. Uh, what is that face? That's the face he makes when they're doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I thought it was great. It started and it just, it went and it mm-hmm. did not stop until the end. Uh, and I could have watched another two hours. I really did not feel the runtime at all, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked all of, there were so many like little like twists and stuff like Rachel dying. I still mm-hmm. didn't believe it. Like that, it, that doesn't really happen. I feel like in superhero movies, like the surprise like that. Um, and then there being like kind of like a second villain, the guy, the two face guy, um, and then him dying too. All, all of it was just so good. And yeah, I am very, very glad you made me watch it <laughs> finally. Yes, yes. Uh, same as you guys. It's incredible. It was um, amazing for the time, and it's now a classic, like we've said. Uh, the filmmaking, the editing, the story, like also crisp and purposeful, like we were saying. Um, just I don't know incredible work across the board um and then I don't know what another thing I just appreciate how creative it all is and like what happens and like the you never knew what was going to happen next and like that's refreshing especially for like how we said it just goes and goes and doesn't stop like you're never bored uh so I feel like the choices were very cool like the phone in his stomach or the um the oil and the switching of the like you never knew what was going to happen and mostly that was like the joker but uh just very engaging very cool and just keeps you thinking afterward and you know you said you watch it a million times and you catch other things um so it's it it never gets old so overall great stuff yes i'll just say on top of this being one of the best movie going theatrical experiences of my life it was amazing um this you look back on movies in history, like you look back on the original Star Wars, Jaws, uh, E.T., you know, you look on like these major milestones and be like, oh, that was a game changer. And I think it's already started mm-hmm. where people look back on this movie and say, oh, this was a game changer for comic book movies and for blockbusters and what you can do. And, you know, the fact that people started taking comic books movies a little bit more seriously. They already took them serious after X-Men, you know, mm-hmm. but after this, you know, now they're winning Oscars. Now you have a Black Panther that can get a Best Picture nomination. You have a Logan getting a Best Screenplay nomination. You know, you have that consideration of, like, Dark Knight and Iron Man coming out in the same year was huge, like, for that level, that side of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of just goes to show, you know, Chris Nolan, before Batman Begins, he was an indie guy. 
and it you saw this wave of independent filmmakers getting hired to do big blockbuster movies of just like what stories do they have to tell you know what's the situation there and the way that it shaped Nolan as a filmmaker, the way it shaped just pop culture in general, and just the stranglehold that this movie had on people is crazy. And the fact that when a great sequel comes out, I just did it with Dune Part 2. When a great sequel comes out, Marketing 101, if you think it's good, you say, it's just like the, it's like for the for second movies, it's just like The Dark Knight. You always say that Empire Strikes Back and Dark Knight. It's like the yeah, what every critic and every person has to say to like get people to understand like it's really good. Like you have this is the comparison. Like this is the standard. Yeah, and that is so cool. Shrek too. Honestly, yes, it's so cool, and it's one of those things where I feel very lucky as like someone who loves movies. I feel very lucky that I was like alive and around like for this. Mm-hmm. Like I was very pleased, and I'm happy it still holds up too. And I'm very happy with how good the 4K disc is, guys. This 4K disc on The Dark Knight is so good. I recommend getting it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Well, that'll do it for The Dark Knight, guys. Don't miss out on the finale, The Dark Knight Rises, where I will definitely cry while watching the movie, maybe while talking about it. It's very sad at the end, Morgan. Prepare yourself. Uh, and with that, uh, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you on The Dark Knight Rises.